It's time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Well then, it was quite the storm we had last night, huh? Uh, at my house, I believe we still have no power. It's getting cold. It got really windy. It looks like a logging camp at my house. Uh, there is, uh, there is uh, limbs down all over the place. But uh, hopefully you're in. You're in I mean, but at the end of the day, I guess there was no real serious damage, so that's a good thing. Uh, hopefully you're in the same shape. Had a little bit of an adventure getting here. Um, I usually drive through Quincy, drive down by uh, the Quincy Police Station, and then head down by Wollaston Beach, where I couldn't go. And then I, and then I uh, was driving driving along, took some lefts, some rights. I'm like, well, maybe I can get down further by the yacht club, and there was uh, a street with no a street with cones. So I avoided the street with the cones, and then I went down to the next street where there was no cones, and I drove down the street a little ways and encountered a state trooper who said, you can't be driving on the street. You must have drove through all the cones. And I said, no, I drove down the street that didn't have the cones. And I said, well, I'm just trying to get over to work over at Marina Bay. And he said to me, all the roads are closed. You can't get there. I'm like, all the roads are closed? Yeah, you can't get there. Go home. So I uh, drove up and around and over and around and got here and... And, but you could tell the roads were very muddy. The water must have been really high last night or this morning. Um, interestingly, that at my house, I have a little storage shed, and it has two doors on it. And one of the doors somehow opened up in the middle of the night, and it must have been from the wind just howling and changes in pressure, and it lifted the lock off the inside of the door, and the door blew open. kept wondering what that noise was. I was hearing it two in the morning or whenever it was. So we were supposed to be at the uh, uh, AAA Travel Marketplace today at Gillette Stadium, but I didn't want to take a chance with remote equipment and get there and find out that I couldn't do my job, so I decided to come to the studio instead. And I checked with uh, Dennis and Matt at, sorry, Dennis, when I texted you at 6 in the morning. I was here. You were here? All right. Well, still. And... uh, just to make sure the power was on, because I know the power wasn't on at the station for a while. And Dennis said to me, or, uh, you're going you're gonna to do it remotely from home? I would have if I had electricity, but I don't. So I came here. So anyway. Which is always a better choice for me. Which <laughs> is a better choice for you, probably a better choice for me. Uh, things tend to work the way this, well. Most of the time, work the way they're supposed to, so it's okay. But because of all of that, I don't have any guests for this morning, except for you. So if you would like to call, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, give us a call and uh, talk to us about your car, your car problems, and whatever else you have on your mind. I'll tell you about my car problem. I actually have two car problems. 
My wife's Volkswagen, I was washing it the other day. Well, kind of washing it. Got gas and went to the car wash and then was wiping it off afterwards. And I noticed the convertible top is starting to get a hole in it. Uh-oh. And it's under warranty for about another month. So I asked my wife to go up to the dealership, and there was a technical service bulletin. Apparently, the top, if it wasn't adjusted perfectly, has a wear point when you put the top down that can cause a hole in the top. So she uh, went up there. They looked at it. They said, yeah, they, uh, the service manager talked to her a bit. But then my wife spent an hour talking to the salesman we bought the car from and the owner of the dealership. And she's coming back, I think, a week from Monday to have uh, some somebody look at it and determine what needs to be done with it. But um, So there was a technical service bulletin, which is something I probably wouldn't even have thought about. And I'm glad I actually drove the car that day, and I'm glad it was as dirty as it was because I probably wouldn't have washed it otherwise. And then I would have discovered the hole in the top after the warranty was up. So hopefully we'll get that all taken care of under warranty. Although the service manager said, well, I don't even know if I'd bother because, you know, the new top's going to go on. It's not going to fit quite the same. Sure it will. And, and they don't even do it. They actually send them out to somebody else to have them done. So uh, people have been putting convertible tops on for years. It'll be fine. And then my own car has a, a traction control light, anti-lock brake light issue. Um, I diagnosed what I think is wrong with it without actually looking under the car to see what's wrong with it. Uh, using a scan tool, and it came up that the right rear wheel sensor has a problem, which could be the problem, or it could be some wiring connection up to that. And uh, that's going in for service because I can't crawl under it right now and try to fix it. And I'm a little concerned because I'm having I – looked, I looked online and I can find the actual sensor, but I checked with a local Hyundai dealership, and they don't have one in stock. So I don't know what's going to happen when it goes in for service. So. There's my my woes of car problems right now, and but not as important as no heat in my house right now. So, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's they'll important. do it. They'll do I, it. Yeah. I have a question for you though. Yes. Um, as far as car washing, mm-hmm. do you prefer to wash your own car or do you prefer to go to a car wash? I prefer to wash my own car because for two reasons. Um, when you wash your own car, you're using clean water. When you go to a car wash, you're actually using recycled water. And depending on how the recycling system works, you could be washing your car with recycled salt water, which can't be good for your car. No. And the other thing is power car washes, some power car washes, I've been told by car wash people, is they actually filter out all the water, filter the water, but they actually leave a little bit of dirt in it. Because the dirt acts like a minor abrasive mm-hmm. when the water's spraying on the dirty paint, it actually helps clean it a little bit better. That can't be good for it either. So if I have a choice, there's nothing better than a bucket with clean water in it, a bucket with soapy water in it, and a garden hose and a lot of fresh water. And that way you're Always rinsing the sponge so you make sure the sponge is good and clean. Um, you're spraying plenty of water on the car. And if you wash and wax your car, you'll burn 1,200 calories. <laughs> so um, 
that's that's the preferred thing to do. Uh, people a lot of times ask about undercarriage wash, washing the car underneath to wash any of the salt and all that stuff from underneath the car. And again, I prefer to do it with a, a hose with fresh water because some of the systems that just shoot water straight up underneath the car, I always wonder whether that water gets in places that it can't easily drain away from. So if you're somebody who always goes to a self-service car or a fully automatic car wash and you always get the undercar wash, you are washing underneath the car. But on the other hand, is water spraying up at 500 pounds per inch and spraying water up underneath the car and it's getting trapped in nooks and crannies that has taken a while to evaporate and could cause rust. So bottom line, I prefer to do it myself. I hate to do it myself. Um, but I always feel that the car... Even this last time, I went to an automatic car wash because I was getting gas, and I'm like, "I'll wash the car." When I was done, it really wasn't clean. It was cleaner, but it wasn't clean. Where at least I know if I wash it myself and I wash it and kind of dry it off, and I go, "You know, it's still not clean." I'll wash it again. Um, I will say that I, when it comes to drying my car off, I have an electric leaf blower, and I use that to dry it off, and I find that works really well. Yeah, when you started mentioning that about, I was like, oh, you know, that's a good idea. I, I have, I love the idea of washing my own car, but I find when I start doing it, I'm like, oh, why the heck am I doing this? And I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and forget about waxing it. I just do not have the patience to wax an entire car. Like I'll get through like the hood and I'm like, it looks good enough. And then I have this nice shiny hood, but everything else is like, eh. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, um, I always, every once in a while you see it is somebody's put wax on their entire car and they've gotten about halfway through and then they've, they haven't finished it. Yep. And like, it's still there and getting dried wax off is impossible. It's not, it's not almost. Fun. So, yeah. So I, I'm not crazy. I probably wax our cars four times a year. Four? Four. Wow. Yeah. Um, maybe three. Um, the Volkswagen's black, black cars are awful. Um, when we went, when we went Volkswagen shopping, they had red and black and my wife hates red cars. So we ended up with a black car cause that was the only other color they had. Um, and we liked the dealership. The dealership was a nice little family owned dealership. In fact, I, I, uh, want to get the owner or someone on the program uh, it's Paul Clark Volkswagen in Brockton because they they were telling my wife they're actually buying some of the diesel cars back and they're actually doing the retrofits and selling them. And one of the most popular models is the Volkswagen diesel station wagon or sport sport wagon, whatever they call it, with a manual transmission. And they said they literally have a, a list of people waiting to buy that car because it gets good fuel economy and it's fun to drive. So, but, uh, but they're starting to buy some of them back. And if you're in the South Shore and you ever drive through the old South Weymouth Navy base, uh, you will see tens of thousands of Volkswagens parked in a field. And those are all the buyback cars. And there's, I mean, literally tens of thousands of cars. And they used to have kind of a canvas fence up around it, but now the fence is blown down. So, and it's just Volkswagen after Volkswagen is just I, I have driven through there. Yeah. And I was wondering what was going on there. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's thousands of them. It's it's amazing. 
Speaking of Volkswagens, I um when I was taking my wife's aunt um, to CarMax, I was talk told you about yep. it. Um, they uh, fantastic experience by the way, just a long day. Um, they had a, a Volkswagen Beetle in the actual showroom. It was like a sporty. I don't know what model. I don't know hmm. what model it was, but it was a sporty edition, six uh, six gear yep. uh, manual yep. drive. I sat in that thing. I was like, "Ooh, this is kind of nice." <laughs> I'm like, "I wouldn't mind taking this for a test spin." But and and for somebody who's, um, you know, over you're like six four, six five, something like that. Six yeah. four, six four. We'll, 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 we'll go with six four. Yeah. Plenty of headroom. Yeah, yeah, lots of headroom. Yeah. It's just if anybody wanted to sit behind me, forget it. Yeah, it, it well, that's happening. but that's <laughs> yeah, pretty much the case with any Beetle these days. But no, they have a ton of headroom in them. And if it happened to be, they actually did a Volkswagen called a Volkswagen Dune, yeah. which was a um, uh, a little, it sat up a little bit higher, had a little bit wider wheels and tires, so it looked a little dune buggy-ish. Um, not really, I mean, but it had that had that appearance, and uh, and you know, fun cars to drive, you know, and they they did a good job with them. So, our phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. If you would like to call, and hopefully you have power, if wherever you are, so you're listening. Or your phone works, or whatever the case is. I I know I at one point, one of the times I got up in the middle of the night to look out to see that there was no trees on my house or something. I got up and I said, you know, I could probably really plug my phone in, so at least charge my phone up. But I did have a portable jump pack with the USB connector. And last night when I got home, I actually went around. You know, I have a. a cordless tool set that has a flashlight in it. And I said, you know, maybe it's probably a good idea to at least charge up these batteries. A um, couple other, a couple other flashlights to make sure the batteries worked. Uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully sometime today we'll have power back on and heat and electricity. So that's what we're hoping for. Uh, I'm waiting to hear actually back from the folks at uh, uh, Gillette uh, at the uh, travel marketplace to see what's going on over there. I would love to be able to talk to them. And I know yesterday, during the height of the storm yesterday, uh, Gillette was on generators, and um, it was um, they had power, but again, they were on generators. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car, your car problems, what, whatever's really on your mind. We'd like to, we'd like to hear from you on this uh, day after, what's it, what was, what do they refer to the storm as Bombo Genesis or something? This, it was a cyclonic bomb storm and something beyond that i don't know which is the same one we had in january yes. right yeah yes is, is this new or is this just new terminology like I, you're a, like you're a meteorologist and uh, you should know that I, yeah i have no idea yeah it's like now they name the winter storms and all that and yeah i mean i never heard the term bombo genesis before and cyclonic bomb storm or something yeah. so i i don't i've never heard those expressions before um, I want to say I remember hearing it the first time during the perfect storm, which was the per- mid nineties. Right. There, yeah, yeah, and that, um, and that was a um, the um, the storm in January, which was the other time I guess I heard this terminology was the one that kept me from going on vacation. Yep, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that was the one that dumped two feet of snow in my yard. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Ken in Topfield. Ken, good morning. 
and good morning from Topsfield with no power. No power and, in Topsfield? Uh, no, but we got a transistor radio, and I enjoy listening to you on Saturday mornings. Well, they, they, you know, it's kind of funny. As I got up this morning, I'm kind of wandering around my house going, do I actually have a transistor radio? And I have a little portable, like, Walkman one that I can listen with headphones, but I don't think I don't think I actually own a transistor radio anymore, so I probably should. I always like that. Then I can have a radio listen if I'm somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I know I have a, a, a an old uh, kind of, like, boombox thing in my shed when I'm out there tinkering around, but that, that thing takes, like, eight D-cell batteries, so it's I, I know that thing doesn't have batteries in it, so. I love it. Yeah. But we did have a good storm, and uh, in all these newfangled worlds, it's just a lot of bunk. It's just a, you had a bad northeaster with high winds and caused a lot of damage, I guess, for a lot of people. Any, so anything anything with you? Are you okay? Yeah, we had a lot of tr- branches. We have a lot of pines. Yeah. And, uh, but thankfully, we lost the power, but nothing else. And we got a fireplace, and we're burning it. And we use it in the winter, and I give money for cords of wood, and we enjoy it. There you Today's go. It's a good day to keep warm. So. There you go. I, I, sto- I, I actually stopped at a place this morning and swung in and said, you don't have any firewood, do you? And they said, no, we shipped it all back. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was, you probably should have kept it another day. Right. Well, I have a question. My wonderful wife bought me uh, an old car. Okay. And, and it's a 01 Z3. Okay. And it has original tires, uh, 35,000 uh, miles, and they're showing it. And I'm going to get new tires, gonna like for like. This isn't a race car. It's mm-hmm. just a pleasurable little yep. thing. But it also has the original brake fluid and, I believe, antifreeze in it. And I was thinking I should have that done. I didn't know you even. I heard you mentioned a few weeks ago about a guy you knew that used to take a, like a, a sauce sucker thing yep. and put it yep. in the brake thing. Yep. I wasn't thinking of doing that. But I actually did think of it. But then I wondered if the brakes would need to be bled. And then I said, maybe I should just take it to the dealership. Here's what here's what here's here's what I would do. I would definitely replace the tires on the car because they're they're 16 years old now or however old they are. So right. Yeah. So definitely replace those because they even though they might look like they're in good shape, they're old enough where they're going to crack. And and if you do decide to you know go out on go out and get an ice cream on a nice summer day, you don't want to have a blowout. And then as far as the brake fluid, depending on the brake condition. Um, brake brake fluid by design just tends to uh, attract moisture, and it wouldn't hurt to have someone, I guess, first off, inspect the brakes to make sure they're all in good shape. Make sure the brake pads are all in good shape. If they are in good shape, it wouldn't hurt to flush out the brake, brake fluid. So all they do is they just put a brake bleeder on it. They force new fluid in. It forces the old brake fluid out. You get it nice and clean. There's no moisture contamination. Now you don't have to worry about any issues with the anti-lock brake systems and rust and things like that. So not... Another not, bunch of years. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad thing to do. And coolant, if the coolant has truly been in there since 2001, it'd be a good idea to replace the coolant in the car, too. Okay. And they'll do a thorough job on that. Oh, sure, yeah. I, and even if even if all they did with the coolant was a drain and refill and then checked it afterwards, I would, would rather have them try to flush as much of it out as they can. But if, they, but if they're even able to just get the majority of it out, because you don't, you don't know what kind of contamination there is with the coolant, and coolant over time can get acidic and that can cause some problems. So it wouldn't, you know, it would be 
money well spent um, just to service the brake fluid, the antifreeze, the engine oil, of course. And then after that, there's not really a whole lot you need to worry about. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate okay. it. Love listening to you on Saturday morning. All right. Thanks, thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. And hope your power comes on soon or you don't run out of firewood, one or the other. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. In a little bit, we're going to talk about the car that got me around for a few days last week, which was, uh, I read, I, and I'm stealing a line from somebody who says if you've been around long enough, you eventually encounter all kinds of crazy things. And this is one of those crazy things. So we'll talk about that car in a little bit. Also, some other things are in the news that I thought was fairly interesting. We are going to be doing trivia today. Joyous um, times have returned. Joyous times. Joyous times. Well, you know, and uh, uh, I think it was Peter who said, I miss trivia. So we, yep. uh, we are resurrecting trivia again just for that, per for that reason. And, Peter, I sent out your trivia prize a little bit late if you're listening. Um, it did just go out in Thursday's mail, I believe, and it was a um, it was a Hemmings, a collectible Hemmings Motor News uh, uh, vehicle that actually came right off my desk. Uh, and I'm, you know, you know, I kind of look at all these things and I enjoy some of these uh, little uh, collectible cars, but I thought I would share them with other people now. So starting to share a few of those cars. So. So, and the other thing, the other thing I thought was pretty interesting was um, everybody's heard of stories about pizza, pizza delivery and drivers and how sometimes the pizza delivery drivers are not that great. Well, Ford is ready to take pizza delivery drivers out of the picture in one of the most congested cities in the country in Miami. The automaker said Monday that Miamians... Is that the right term, Miamians? Will eventually see self-driving Ford vehicles delivering Domino's pizza while navigating the city's challenging streets with a human safety uh, driver to serve as a backup. The uh, first uh, self-driving Fords to hit Miami streets will be tasked with learning to adapt to the city's urban environment with the goal of improving Ford's wider autonomous fleet. The second fleet will make deliveries for Domino's Pizza throughout the city and part of a test to test customer reaction. Ford also has a partnership with Postmates to deliver other goods for customers. Uh, Ford's early tests won't include taking passengers, but hopes to leverage its partnership with Lyft. We need to start getting used to seeing vehicles with no drivers in them, picking up passengers, said uh, the mayor of Miami. The day is coming a lot sooner than people think. I don't think so. Uh, Ford based uh, its fleet in an autonomous vehicle operation terminal in Miami. The self-driving cars will be washed at the depot with extra attention paid uh, to the sensors essential for their operation. Routine maintenance will be performed. The depot, along with partnerships with local dealerships, will oversee the maintenance of the cars. So I know I know you're a pizza aficionado. Sure. Yeah. And Domino's I don't think makes very good pizza. No. 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 But would you order a Domino's pizza just for the novelty to see it show up without somebody in the car? I might. Yeah, I think I, I would I, I would. I would. I mean I know what I'm getting, but it's still kinda neat. Yeah. But how does like all right. How do they I guess you prepay like Uber yeah, you or something? You prepay and then they must let you know that like your 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 pizza's gonna arrive in in two minutes or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, and you go out and and how do you know how do how do how do you know that your which pizza is yours? Yeah. yeah. Unless there's I like mean, a, a machine that you know it could be like this slots 
yeah. like in the um the Amazon mailboxes that you see outside of Seven Elevens yeah. now. Um, there's slots that they say, okay, your pizza will be ready, and you're in slot number two. Mm. And when you get there, you might have to like flash your card, like the card that you yeah. paid with, for yeah. example, in front of it. Yeah, or something to that effect. Yeah, I, I don't know how that's gonna yeah. work. Again, I'm not I'm not a fan of Domino's pizza. No. Uh, but to get to see a driverless car show up with a pizza in it, I think I'd order one. Just uh, yeah, I'm I'm see I'm a South Shore pizza snob. I mean I like all pizza. I shouldn't really say yeah, that. You like the bar pizza? Stuff. I do. I do. I see the bar pizza? Yeah, I know. George Kennedy, who was on the show the other day, said said South Shore bar pizza is the most overrated pizza in the country. It, 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 to me, I mean, I'm offending a lot of people now, especially a lot of my South Shore friends who love. Town Spa Pizza. Town Spa, and, the yeah, Linwood and Holbrook. The Linwood, the Holbrook. Cape Cod uh, Cape Cape Cod. I, I'm, the only bar pizza that I was even remotely a fan of is the old alumni pizza here in Quincy. But now you can get it again. There's three spots that you can get it again. And there's a new, well, it's a. it says it's alumni in Weymouth by the Shaw's and mm-hmm. Walmart down there. Um, and my wife, who is a huge fan of alumni pizza, says... Yeah, that's that's the closest thing to alumni that you can get, and it is. It's pretty close, but I, I, I'm a, I'm more traditional Neapolitan. Give me that crispy crust, that nice sweet tomato sauce, and the the old school pepperonis. Well, I mean, I like the old school pepperoni. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, we, we, there was a, a place we went to down the Cape a couple of weeks ago, and they have they have three pizzas on their menu. None of them were actually pizza, as far as I was concerned. They called them pizza. Um, you know, when it's got arugula or an eggplant, no, it's not pizza. No, it's it could be good, but it's not pizza. I'm not one of these people that say pineapple doesn't belong on pizza because I like a good Hawaiian yeah, pizza. Yeah, I, I, as do I. But when I, you start putting non-traditional toppings yeah, on it, it's yeah. no longer. Pizza. But I still like the South Shore bar pie sort of, and I don't even like that expression. But yeah, to me, a pizza is. The Cape Cod Cafe. To me, a pizza's Town Spa. To me, a pizza's uh, the Linwood and Holbrook. It's not. Um, <laughs> and, and there's another. There's like a little known place. It's either and some whole, some Randolph person will have to uh, let us know what it is. It's either the Elks or the Eagles or the one of those animal clubs, and it's the same recipe they use at the Linwood. So, but it's sort of like when the Linwood goes on vacation, they get jammed because. They're the only one that has a, a comparable pizza. So, uh, but this isn't the pizza doctor. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's you know it's a weird day today. I mean, you look out the you look out the window now, and it looks just cloudy and overcast. Looks like just a fairly normal day. But compared to what it was doing it from seven thirty last night till uh, six o'clock this morning, it's like a hurricane out there. It was. Yeah, it I was. just want to say one more thing about the the, the South Shore pizza, the the bar pizzas. Before, if you got to offend more people, is that the next day, like at least normal pizza, you can heat it up the next day and it tastes fairly amount like the same. The next day on those bar pizzas, the the crust is super hard, and you. Just, it's not designed to be heated the next I understand. day. It's designed to be eaten cold the I, next day. Even when you eat it cold, though, it doesn't. No, it's no, it doesn't taste even remotely the same. That's, that's my that's my two cents, and I'm done. All right, but to me, you know, a good dinner is um, a cheese pizza, a pepperoni pizza, pitcher of cold beer, and you know, and then somebody's gonna, you know, and I'm a pretty cheap beer drinker, so 
Um, you know, same thing. I went to a place, they had pizza that wasn't recognizable to me and beer that was not recognizable to me. You know, we have 18 kinds of beer on tap. Um, okay. None that I really want to drink. You know, when I said, do you have something like Budweiser? I thought they were going to ask me to leave. <laughs> Sorry. That's... Where, where did you go? Oh, this was this, of all places, it was in L.A. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, but no, there's a lot of places around here now with, you know, even even the place we went to down the Cape, which is a Cleeton Anchor, which was the old um, Rum Runners Cafe, which was a um, which was sort of a biker bar, pirate bar. sort. And I loved it. I thought it was a great place. Some sketchy individuals inside of it sometime. But but um, but I never had a bad meal there. And the new owners took it over. They cleaned it up. They made it nice. Uh, It lacks a certain charm. 18 kinds of beer on tap, but lacks a certain charm, and I just kind of miss it. Anyway, why don't we take a break so I can regroup here for a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk about the goofy car that got me around that was, well, maybe not that goofy, but we'll talk about it when we come back. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston, and maybe FM 100.3. We're on. We're on FM 100.3. Listen there, too. On your transistor radio on this Saturday morning after the Bombo Genesis. We'll be right back. Well, we took a little break. 
you know, I thought I would take a little break and like get all caught up with things and come up with some fantastic new things to talk about. Not really. But I do want to talk about the car that got me around for a few days last week. And that was the the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. The Trackhawk is either the stupidest or most brilliant vehicle ever made. The Trackhawk's a luxurious uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, so think family-style SUV. But they added a 707-horsepower engine to it. So they took the engine out of a Hellcat and squished it into a Jeep. This translates into a 0 to 60 time in about 3.5 seconds. So faster than, say, like a Porsche 911. In a Jeep. In a Jeep Grand Cherokee. <laughs> um, it's uh, faster than a Jaguar F-Type R Coupe or a Mercedes-Benz S65 AMG Coupe, for instance. Um, the handling was a surprise that it was actually as good as it was. Um, I wasn't on any kind of road course, but in day-to-day driving and a little more enthusiastically, this family cruiser is planted to the ground, and it actually has a transmission setting for track use. Um, it also had something called launch control. <laughs> Oh, now you're talking my speed. Launch? What are we launching here? Are there wings well, involved? Yeah, there's no wings involved. But what it does is it allows you to lock the brakes, fire up the engine, and then release the brakes at essentially full throttle. So it rockets you to uh, – I was afraid because I can't afford to buy this truck if it broke. So I did not utilize launch control other than to see kind of how it worked. But it, what it does, it's a supercharged engine. And superchargers and turbochargers need to bring the RPM speed up to be able to force more air into the engine to get more horsepower. So basically what it does is it maximizes the amount of horsepower at launch. So it just makes it that much faster. Um, and this is a family car. Yeah, you know, four-door <laughs> Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. Just a plain old, you know, leather interior, <laughs> nice stereo, plain old leather interior car. Yeah. Um, so what kind of fuel economy does a 707 horsepower $90,000 vehicle get? $90,000, by the way. Uh, according to the EPA, it gets 11 miles per gallon around town and 17 miles per gallon on the highway. Um, really, the fuel economy is determined by how you drive. When I got in it, whoever had driven it last... The recorded fuel economy was 10.1 miles per gallon. Um, what was interesting about this car, driving it like Miss Daisy was in the back seat, I was actually able to get about 16 miles per gallon, which isn't terrible. In fact, it was about the same fuel economy that my old Kia Sorento used to get. Um, that was about 16 or 17 out in the highway, and that's kind of what this got. So um, not terrible. When you were driving it slower, though, did it feel like it was pulling like it wanted to go faster, like you can find nope. in the sports cars nope. and stuff? No, nope. just felt like everyday car until you decided to accelerate. Um, it really is like a sheep's and wolf clothing kind of thing. Um, we did a video at work, and I don't know when we'll get it up, but it's um, I had our camera person in the car. Kayla, and she said she got in the car and she drives a she drives an SUV, I think. 
And she kind of looked around and said, that seemed like a nice car. And then I said, well, except when you do this. And I hit the accelerator. And I can't repeat what she said. <laughs> and she also said, don't ever do that again. Um, it is a um, fairly shocking uh, display of acceleration when it takes off. More so than I think... Um, I was, it was, uh, I was just looking out in the a parking lot here, and a uh, Porsche Cayenne just drove in. It's down by the front lobby now. Quicker than that, for instance. It is just a ridiculously fast car. Um, so it's the Trackhawk is, again, feels like any other Grand Cherokee, and then you accelerate, and it turns into a fire-breathing monster. Um, even to the point where if you accelerate, and I don't even think I was in sport mode. I think it was just in normal mode, and just let it shift between gears. Hearing the exhaust crackle in between shift points. So, you know, every time it shifted, it was ba boom, ba boom. You know, that kind of just very nice. Um, the interior of the Grand Cherokee is well thought out, comfortable seats, plenty of room. Um, I always liked the Grand Cherokee. The Grand Cherokee always, um, always was uh, the New England Motor Press Winter Vehicle of the Year. It's won a bunch of times. Um, Technology is well represented with all the safety items, including automatic emergency braking, blind spot monitors, self-parking. I was demonstrating the self-parking to someone. And self-parking is weird. Um, we pulled up to a parking space, hit the button. It told me to shift into reverse. It pulls extremely close to the car that it's backing into. Enough where it sort of made me nervous. Only looked like we were about six inches away as we we're backing into the spot. But it, I followed the directions, you know, nice and easy. Back, 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 back. And then it said shift in the drive, pull forward. And then we were nicely parked in the parking space. The problem is I don't claim to be the best parallel parker in the world. It did a better job than me. I could do a worse job much quicker. So I could still be in the spot, maybe not three inches from the curb, maybe five inches from the curb, but I would have done it quicker without holding traffic up. I am so, an artist at parallel parking. I, it's the one thing that I can do really good. Well, um, it my, doesn't matter what side either. No, 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 no. Sorry. That's right. No, my wife. My wife was used to be when we first got married a million years ago. We lived in an apartment, and we had a lit park on the street. And my wife became a very good parallel parker. Um, but it's, a, it's something you have to kind of practice with. I remember, though, I was in Needham uh, picking something up at, uh, I think it was trophies for the New England Motor Press. Um, and I was at Emblem and Badge up in Needham. And I pulled up and, and parallel parked. And there was a woman standing out in front of the store staring at me. And I got out of the car, and she's staring at me and staring at me. And I'm like, is everything okay? And she said, that was magical. <laughs> she said, you did that so well. And I said, no, well, I used to be, you know, I was pretty good at it once. I'm not as good at it as I used to be because I don't do it that often. But the other, the other thing that I'm a master at is getting out of tight spaces. My aunt lives in the neighborhood that's behind the um, naval base. Like yep. They were all cottages yep. at one point. And her street's a dead end, and she was having a gathering, and one of her neighbors was having a gathering at one point, and I had to leave, I believe, to come here for work. And I had about two inches of space at any given point on my around my car, 
and I got out without so much as a ding or leaving like a little love tap on the other car. The neighbors across the street were all like, they they started clapping yeah, when yeah, I got out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I was talking to an old timer once, and uh, he was talking about uh, what happens when he parked, and he was actually his. He wanted to have somebody evaluate his license, his driving skills. So they went out for a ride, and he backed into a parking space. They asked him to park his car. And I don't know how old this guy was. I'm, I'm going to say in his 80s, but I don't even know if he was that young. And uh, he backed up, and, uh, and the guy said to him, I was a little surprised that he even backed up because backing up is always a challenge for everybody, and especially as you get older. And the guy said, well, I, I pride myself on my ability to park. And I said to, to the guy who was doing the evaluation, I said, how'd he do? And he said, well, yeah, she did really well. Pulled up, centered the car, backed up, and then hit the car behind us. So I said to this guy, I said, um, but you hit the car behind us. And he said, I grew up in Brooklyn. That's how you park. Yep. Probably true. Um, back to the, back to the uh, Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. And I've said this before about a few vehicles, and... There's probably no good reason that any company should build a vehicle like this, but I'm glad they did. Just the idea that, um, you know, even the Hellcat, the Hellcat, why, why do you really need a 700-horsepower Dodge Charger when you have a 500-horsepower Dodge Charger? Because, just because it's you can do it, so why not do it, and people want to buy it. Same thing with this, you know, do you really need a 700-horsepower five-passenger sport utility vehicle. Not really, but am I glad they built it? Yeah, I'm glad they built it. And they'll, they'll sell a few of them, and there'll be a novelty, and, you know, and they'll probably be collector items, you know, in a bunch of years. Um, you know, somebody will say, you know, they only made 5,000 of those, and at some point they could be worth some, they could be worth some money. But uh, it is a very interesting vehicle, and, and uh, you know, good for them, good for them to go ahead and do it. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And to follow the vein of uh, trivia based on car reviews, Jeep is coming up. Jeep is going to come up with a pickup truck soon, is what they're saying. But at one time, from 1985 to 1987. Is this the trivia question? Yes, it is. Oh, Okay. I gotta play the music then. You gotta oh, tell yeah. me these things. Okay. All right. From 1985 to 1982, my mistake. From 1985 to 1982. 92. 92. Jeep made a pickup truck. What was the name of that Jeep pickup truck? And rules apply here. If you've won trivia lately, in the last two months, let someone else play. So, what was the name of the Jeep pickup truck? Manufactured by Jeep from 1985 to 1992. There was a two-door truck, front engine, rear-wheel drive, came with four-wheel drive. What was the name of that pickup truck? If you know the answer, give us a call at 617-770-3030, And we'll, we'll give you a prize of some sort because that's what we do. We give prizes out. And sometimes they don't, I'll be honest, sometimes they don't always come out, get, I don't always mail them first thing Monday morning because, you know, things get busy at work sometimes, but we'll try. Um, Dennis is working on that. 
Hyundai, fuel cell's best bet for self-driving. We're talking about self-driving pizza delivery. Do batteries, uh, EVs lack the juice to run autonomous computers? Uh, from South Korea, uh, a curious uh, Korean vehicle is shuttling around the snow-shrouded slopes of the Olympic Village at the Olympic Games this month. On the outside, the sleek new Hyundai Nexo looks every bit a typical crossover, but under the skin, it's packed with advanced autonomous driving technology and a hydrogen fuel cell. Most automakers envision the self-driving cars of tomorrow to be pure electric vehicles, but Hyundai stands apart, saying fuel cells would much better match. The reason computers needed for fully autonomous vehicles, um, as previewed by the Nexo Prototypes on trial at the Winter Olympics eat up huge amounts of electricity. Hyundai wagers that pure EVs with their relatively small battery packs can't supply that much juice for long, but fuel cells, which function essentially as rolling power plants, can. If we get a perfect autonomous world, then the vehicle will need a lot of energy for computing, said uh, the vice president of Hyundai Motor Group fuel cell platform. We think hydrogen can provide a beneficial platform. Um, Hyundai's High-tech demo vehicles are modified versions of Nexo fuel cell crossover that's due in the U.S. in the fourth quarter. The production version won't get a full range of self-driving function, but it still is a showcase that seeks to quash any notion the South Korean automaker is a stranger in autonomous driving. And uh, there, are, there are two hot issues, and we want to combine them into one car. So they think in a perfect autonomous world... Hydrogen fuel cells and autonomy would work together. It sort of makes some sense. Let's see here. Let's start with uh, Howie in Cambridge. Howie. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Is the, power, is the power on in Cambridge? Let's start there. Uh, yeah, I just lost it for five hours yesterday afternoon. Oh, that's not too, too bad, I guess. Yep. So you have a guess in trivia, do you? Yeah, was that the Jeep Scrambler? Nah, not quite, but I'll tell you what, we'll give you a runner-up prize. How's that? Okay, that'll All be right. fine. All right. Stay right no, there. Well, also, can you hang on? Yeah. I had a question about uh, these cars that have been in water up to their thresholds or slightly above it. Would you recommend draining the rear ends, especially with the automatic transmission, if it, if it vents near the rear end? Yeah, I think I think any time that if you see water up that high, it's possible you could get water intrusion uh, into the car, and it depends how long it's sat. If it was just 15 or 20 minutes, probably there's probably not going to be an issue, but uh, because cars are designed to go through puddles. But if they sat for, you know, a day hours. or two or hour, maybe even maybe even hours, it might be okay. But I remember I I had a um, a Ranger pickup truck that was actually a vehicle donation to a program that I was doing, and um, it was in a flood, and it it started up and ran great, um, kind of muddy inside of it. I pulled the rear differential cover out of it, and it looked like a milkshake inside of it. Oh yeah. Yeah, because so I guess if it was me, and I planned on keeping it a while, it wouldn't be a bad idea to at least. You know, if it's a if it's a, uh, a differential that you can actually see inside of, I'd want to see what the if there's 
water inside of it. Transmission, I'd do the same thing. I'd pull the dipstick and just see what's going on. Um, but for the most part, most of the systems are pretty tight. But if it does have a breather vent on it and it's sitting there and it's up to its, you know, it's up to its eyeballs in water, you know, some of that moisture can get inside the, get inside the transmission, and you know, all of a sudden now you 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 don't really dilute oil or transmission fluid, but you do end up with um, foam inside of it and sludge inside of it, and that can right. make, that can make for some bad problems. And it's salt water to make it. Yeah, worse. yeah, salt water salt water is not good for cars. No. No. All right. Stay right there, Howie, and Dennis will get your address down, and we'll send you out a runner-up prize, okay? Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Howie. All right. Well, let's go to line five. It looks like Mark in Wellesley. Mark, is that you? Mark. Hey, I, how you doing there? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, J20. Be more specific. What was its real name? Oh, I don't know, but it was blue, and uh, my buddy's uh, uncle had one for years. Uh, uh, Commando? So close. So close, but uh, not quite Commander. right. Commander. <laughs> still, still close, but not quite right, but good try. All right. <laughs> Have a good day. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. Where are we going now, Dennis? Over to... Dave in North Quincy. Let's, uh, oh, let's try. Let's try somebody local here. David. David. Comanche. Comanche. You're absolutely right. I actually owned one in 1986. It was black with red interior. And what'd you think of it? It was a nice. It was just like driving a Jeep up front, and had but it had a seven foot bed in the back. Yeah, yeah. It was it, it was it was an interesting vehicle because it was, uh, it, you know it. You know, they're kind of they're kind of collectors. They're they're something that people kind of like, but they they were uh, they had a lot of kind of real old time Jeep stuff in it. That if you looked at them, you go, "What was this? What's with this front differential? Where did this thing come yeah, from?" Yeah, it was a V six yeah. with wheel drive, but it was yeah. a sharp looking truck yeah. at the time. Yeah, no, it it was. So I'll tell you what, we'll put you we'll put you on hold and uh, and we'll uh, we'll send we'll send you out something. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, so uh, Dennis will take care of our actual trivia question winner. Do you want to do that while we take another call, too, or how do you how do you want to work this? Let's talk to uh, Richard, I think. Richard. Richard? Hello? Hello? Sorry, one second. Up. Oh. Okay. Up. Oh. Dennis is confused. We're making him work hard. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Hello. Hello. Yes, my wife Jeep Jeep Patriot makes an incredible noise when you're driving it. She looked it up and she was told that they were supposed to be noisy, and I'm driving it going not this noisy, and it goes up and down when you're driving it. It just sounds like it's almost screaming. What could that be? Uh, it sounds like a bad bearing in the transmission or differential. How is uh, it? It's as you speed up and slow down. It it. It's, it's, does it sound oh, like a grind, sounds, grinding noise? Or? Sounds like an old, sounds like a little kid's friction toy. Me, me, oh, yeah. me. Yeah, I mean that sounds like it's got a bad bearing somewhere. Like a, it could be a wheel bearing, could be a transmission bearing, uh, could be a rear axle bearing. That's what it. Does it can you isolate it front and rear? Does it sound front? Can you tell front or rear where it's coming um, from? Well, it seems to vibrate underneath the driver's floor. floor. Yeah. Uh, uh, I yeah. was wondering if the four-wheel drive had, had accidentally become engaged, but it um, it didn't 
change when I engage or disengage there. Yeah, I mean, you could easily tell that if you got in a parking lot with a little bit of sand on it, and you yeah. just took it, you just took a, you know, just did kind of, I don't, I don't want to say do a donut, but just take a, you know, just take a hard left-hand turn and drive around in a circle. And if you hear the tires squealing or sounding like it's tripping over itself, the four-wheel drive's engaged. But even if it is engaged, it shouldn't sound like, it shouldn't sound like you got, you're grinding up ball bearings inside the transmission. Well, she, she, she compensated by just cranking up the stereo, but I mean, this thing is just so stinking loud that it was embarrassing. Yeah, I think what you need to do is you need to get it into a shop where they can put it up on a lift and they can check all four wheels to see if there's a, a bearing gone on one of the wheels. Look and see if there's a half shaft that's got a bad bad axle joint in it. Or if you can rule out all that and then you're, you're kind of left with the only thing left is really the transmission. If it's not something else, it's just a, um, you said it speeds up and slows down with the speed of the engine? Yeah, no, it was speed of the car. Speed of the car. So if you're sitting there with it in park and you rev up the engine up and down, it's nice and quiet. Nice and quiet. Okay, so that rules out anything to do with the water pump, the <laughs> alternator, the power steering pump. That You've ruled out a whole bunch of stuff by telling me that. So now right. what it's telling me is it's something that's under load and moving, which it's, I'm willing to bet it's probably one of the front axle bearings, but... You know, just a guess. But it needs to get into a shop where they need to check it. Last question. Um, cars are financed for 60 months. Are these things capable of lasting 60 months and no one's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. But, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're, they're going to be zero maintenance, though. Um, you know, the Jeep Patriot is not necessarily the most reliable vehicle ever made on the planet. Um, so, uh, you know, based on that, you know, you know cars, cars are... Cars are financed for 60 months. You know, it wasn't that many years ago that, you know, the typical... They last 62 months. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a, I have an 11-year-old Hyundai Santa Fe at home. Um, yeah. It is, and honestly, I kept it probably two years longer than I should because the last two years have been sort of expensive. Um, but, I mean, it's still an 11-year-old car, and that is the average age of cars on the road today are about 11 and a half years old. I remember when I was a kid, when I had when I first got my driver's license, um, I bought a $50 car, and it was, let's see, how old was that car? It was, it was younger, it was a younger car than the one I drive most every day. So, um, you know, it was a car, it was a car that, um, you know, I paid $50 for that was, that was, uh, I think it was eight years old. So, you know, cars today last a lot longer than they ever have, but the repairs can get pretty expensive. And especially when you add things like all-wheel drive systems into the car, you, all of a sudden now you have four more, you know, you have, uh, you have two more drive axles working hard or giving you things that wear out. So, um, but on the other hand, you know, fuel economy is good, safety is good. And can they last more than five years? Sure they can. You know, the, like I said, the average car on the road, 11 and a half years old. Um, is, is the minivan ever going to come back? She, she drove a minivan for, for 20 years. Um, um, and there are, there are some, you know, there, there's still, you know, Honda Odyssey makes a phenomenal minivan. Toyota Sienna makes a phenomenal minivan. Chrysler still has the town and country. Pretty good minivan. Um, but if you were looking for, if you were looking for, a, uh, and you had the money to spend, you know, the Honda yeah. Odyssey minivan is phenomenal. It is, um, 
you know, Honda, Honda, great reputation for quality, great car, nice novelty features. You know, it has a built-in shop vac in the back, so you can, you know, vacuum up M&Ms and, and yeah. goldfish and all kinds of other stuff. Comfortable ride, great climate control system, stereo system. It is a really nice car. But people, you know, there are people that just don't want to ever drive a minivan because they think of that, you know, soccer mom stereotype. But, you know, minivans, I drove a minivan. Uh, I, I bought a I bought a used minivan once. It was one of the most practical vehicles I ever had. Thing got great gas mileage. It was only a it was only a five passenger vehicle. I had I I carried more stuff in the back of that thing. It got it was it was comfortable to ride drive out in the highway. It just eventually wore out. But um, but it was but it was a uh, but it was a for practical purposes. It was a really practical vehicle. My wife was spoiled, became spoiled by her heated seats in January. Well, you know, our, our Volkswagen, our Volkswagen has heated seats, and I got to tell you, when I go out there in the morning, and I hit that heated seat button, it's pretty comfortable. You, you know, the car can be as cold as a rock, but if that seat's warm, yeah, I mean, like, like, uh, like uh, George Kennedy said last week, the whole—I think he called it the holy triumvirate of, uh, of. Uh, of uh, New England vehicle, uh, heated seats, heated steering wheel, and a remote car starter. You know, if you can combine all of those things together in one vehicle, and you don't need a garage at that point. I'll, I'll give you a report. Tufts feels still in the dark. Is it? But, yeah. Yeah. Well, well it, 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 it's a safe bet. If you have pine trees, there's a good chance you're in the dark. Well, good to know. All right. Well, hopefully the power comes back on for you, and good luck with the Jeep, okay? Well, thank you very much. All right. Great show. Thank you. Take care. Well, let's see where we're going here. Uh, let's go to Frank in Melrose. Frank, is that you? Frank. Morning, John Paul. Morning. I had a question, then. I got a 2008 Ford E150 van. All right. I, my wife, it's my wife's vehicle. It's a station wagon thing, you know? Yeah. And she's, she's driving, and she's telling me it's making a noise now, right? And it sounds, you know, I don't know how much... Uh, how easy it is to detect which part of the engine is making the noise as far as, it, you know, whether it's a tensioner or it's a, you know, a idle pulley or uh, I already changed the alternator, but that's probably about like 30,000 miles ago. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know which. Is it is it pretty noisy when you can, when it's just sitting there idling? Is it, yeah, even when you, just yeah. as soon as you start it, you start hearing it going shush, 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 yeah. shush, shush, you know what okay, I mean? Okay, so, what, I, what I would do is go find like a three-foot piece of uh, heater hose or garden hose or something and uh, stick one on one end up against your ear and the other end against anything that's moving. So, you know, put it next to the water pump. Put it next to the idler pulley. And you'll hear that noise echo right up to your ear. It will. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And if it happens to have more than one belt on it, you can always flip a belt off and, you know, see if it's, you know, see what's going on with it. But um, something as simple as a, a, a piece of, uh, like I said, garden hose or heater hose or something, stick one end up against your ear, the other end up against where you think the noise is coming from, and you'll hear the difference between, uh, you know, something that sounds relatively quiet and something that sounds deafening when you do that. Yeah. I, I remember years ago, uh, now that I think of it, uh, Used to use a wooden stick and put it to your chin, I think. 
Oh yeah, you know, people have tried all kinds of stuff. I happen to I happen to actually like hearing it, you know, so uh but you could do the same. I, I worked with an old time mechanic once and he used to just use a he had a long metal screwdriver and he would stick, you know, the screwdriver up against one thing and you know stick the other end up against his ear and he'd hear the vibration up through you know up through the screwdriver same idea i actually like to hear it i like to actually and the other thing is i'd rather you know i don't want to stick a screwdriver in something with a bunch of moving parts so i'd rather if if something's going to get hit by a belt or a fan or something i'd rather have it be a, a rubber hose than than a screwdriver yeah it's safer yeah. to probably use the hose yeah. i remember you were using the hose before yeah. it's new to me yeah no i mean and and you can you know there there is uh there's all kinds of different mechanic stethoscopes. You can you can get one that's got you know it's a, it's a, it looks like a stethoscope with a long rod on the other end. It, it can pick up some noise. Um, I used to have and I probably still have it if the if it hasn't melted into dust. I used to have an electronic stethoscope. It was the same thing. It looked like a set of headphones with a little amplifier and a and a microphone that was on the end of that. And you could pick up weird noises with that. But I found you know a, a hunk of hose works just as good. Very good. Okay. okay Thank you very All much. Right. Good luck. Bye bye. Bye. Let's see. I think we're going over to line four to Kevin in Salem. Kevin. 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 Hi, John. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm keeping. You got electricity in Salem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we see it quite well. I haven't seen a lot of trees down. I haven't seen any evidence of power outages. It was awful windy, but I, I think maybe anything that's going to come down has already come down yeah. early in the season. Yeah, that could um, be. But the, um, um, yeah, uh, you, helped me, you helped me with this deep before. Um, situation is the cow was up on jack stands for a long period of time while I was trying to tackle the ball joints. And the front brake... Uh, calipers were suspended on wires, so they they weren't. And I put the thing back together, and the red brake light will not go off. Uh, and my understanding is that's either the emergency brake warning light or a hydraulic failure. Right. Uh, and I disconnected the parking brake switch, and that did not solve the problem. I bled the br brakes multiple times and that has not solved the problem um, when I did the uh, the ball joints the hubs with the ABS and traction control and yep. stability control sensors and so those lights are on which I expect is one of the sensors one of the hubs yep. is, you know mm -hmm. but I I do not make any connection between any kind of an electronic uh, failure and that red brake light coming on, um, and I'm I'm just at a loss as to how I can get that light to go out. No, somewhere under there you'll see there's a, a metering and proportioning valve, and it's going to be a it's going to be a block of brass that brake lines connect to with a wire a wire connected to it, and that valve is designed to turn on the brake light when there's unequal pressure between the front and rear brake system or left and right side of the brake system, depending on how it works. And what's happened for one reason or another is that either you still have some sort of brake imbalance, so you still have you still have some pressure different between the front and the back, or that metering proportioning valve, warning valve, whatever you want to call it, has has is stuck. And 
Uh, you may find that you might have to change the proportioning valve, and you'll see it. It'll have it generally has a single wire that connects to it, and you can take it off and try unplugging it and see if the light goes off or grounding it, however, whichever way it seems to work, and see if the light goes out or flickers, and you'll know you'll know that's the problem. So you may end up having to put a proportioning valve in this to get the light to go out. If I... you might be able to just you know. Have somebody bleed the brakes with you and just get under there with a little little small hammer and just tap on it. And that may free up the valve inside it just enough. But chances are that's what it is. You're absolutely right. When the red brake light comes on, it's either the parking brake is stuck, engaged, whatever the case is, or it's the um, or it's the a hydraulic pressure issue. So it's it's something up with the hydraulic system. And if the hydraulic if the red brake light's on, generally what happens is it's going to flip the ABS light on at the same time. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I know that the, the sensors for that are suspect because of, and the vehicle did sit for quite some time. Yep. So, well, that's one of the, I, yep. I, the, what, what, year is, what year is this Jeep? It's, it's a 2007 Wrangler. It's only got 30,000 miles on it. Um, not used much, but I bought it secondhand, but when I bought it, it was, you know, 27,000 miles never been off the road. Um, it just sat for a long time, and the, the ball joints really proved to be my nemesis, and um, it, it's for various reasons, um, some of my own ineptitude and some just uh, not taking the time to actually go out there and tackle the job. Um, but the uh, I didn't know if, if there was um, uh, any... Um, anything mechanical that could possibly cause that because the, the the factory service manual for my Honda was like 80 bucks, my Holly was like $60. It's $180 for this cheap factory service mm -hmm. manual. And I, I wasn't quite going to spring for that yet, and I don't have my own computer, so having an all-data subscription necessitates me running down the library and making copies of yeah. whatever it is I want to ask um, because I might in the 19th century or possibly even the 20th by now, but... Um, it's um, that's wonderful. That that you, you've given me a whole yeah. I mean, the, the other the other the other goofy thing I would look at, and it's just a goofy thing, is I'm pretty sure that vehicle actually has a um, a brake fluid um, indicator level indicator in the master cylinder. Just make sure yes. that, that just make sure the float in there is not stuck. I pulled out the the um the, that that switch. It's a switch. It's like a, a a prong, it's like three inch long and um, input that goes in there. I pulled that out. I could not get down to where that plugs into the wiring harness because it disappears inside a um, a, a tangled spaghetti of, of um, electrical tape wrapped harness. So I couldn't get to where that plugs. Or, or else I would have unplugged it to see if that fixed it. Um, but yeah, I didn't. So I go into actually into the master cylinder. And try and jostle a float as opposed to messing with the uh, the switch. Okay, um, well, hey, I'm gonna go right out and try that now because it's not raining and the driveway is kind of dry. So, there you go. Um, any um, and I'd be likely to find that proportion block uh, go from the master cylinder yeah, goes just, down. Just, yeah, just follow. Just uh, every you know everything and you know and I'm 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 not sure with this you know. 11 year old jeep if it if it's possible it's even built into the master cylinder but i don't think so i think it's good i think you're going to find it's a separate it's a separate yeah. uh, metering proportioning valve and and you know that's 
that's what you'll find. And you know, I'd, I'd look and just see. I'd look and see if there's just something something there that's just. You know, like I said, follow the brake lines, take a flashlight out there, follow the brake lines, follow it along and, and see what you see. Well, I know on the top fender there's a, a block for where that goes in, yep. but I, I don't know yep. if that's but ABS look, or not. But what I was gonna, I'll, I'll call the Jeep dealer and I'll ask if, um, if they have a metering valve apart for it. And if they do, then that'll tell me it's not in the master yeah, cylinder. Yeah, it's, um, it's, usually, it's usually a metering proportioning valve. Um, is usually what it is, and and you know, in some vehicles, when you were manually bleeding them, you actually had to push or pull out this little pin and hold it open because that would that's how you would that's how you would yeah. equalize the pressure. So your Jeep could be the same way. Wow, wow. Hey, I'll I'll let you know next week okay. if it works. Because if it did, yeah, you, uh, thank you so All very right. very much. You have All your, right. hope you get your power back. Yeah, me thank too. <laughs> more, okay. more so my Bye. wife because I'm warm right now, so it's okay. Yeah. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Let's go and talk to Paul in Somerville. Paul, is that you? That's me, John. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm well. I hope you recovered from the flu. Well, I'm getting there. I don't think, you, you know, I, the more I talk to people, I don't think you ever recover from the flu. I think you. I think you have it for. I, I was talking to. Uh, um, he's a. He's a guy who does some work for us. He, he's a former traffic lieutenant in Providence. I think he's. He's been. He's been suffering for the flu, from the flu for ninety days now. It seems like he's like. I don't think I'm ever going to get over this. So. Yeah. But anyway. Well, I hope you do. Uh, yeah. I hope you. You're back fully recovered shortly. I hope so. Um, I just want to mention you, at the top of the show you mentioned about the uh, the ABS light and the stabilizer uh, light that came on. Yep. I had that happen in uh, a car I own that my son normally drives. A couple of weeks ago, coming through a driving rainstorm, home, said, you know, the ABS and the stabilizer came on. So I called my, the shop that I always go to, Dylan Method, and um, AAA approved shop. And, and uh, as soon as I made the appointment, he said, did you hit a pothole? I said, I don't know. I asked him. He said, well, as a matter of fact, they did. I hit a pothole on 93 a little bit before the lights came on. So he said, more likely than not, you know, wheel bearing is gone. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. He'd get it in the shop, and you open it up, and you wheel bearing in the center. So then that's what it was. Maybe that's what you have going on. Yeah, there. no, I, 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 yeah, it's possible, but I think on this car, I think it's just a matter of, this is also, it happens to be, the sensor that popped up happens to be the same side that I actually put a wheel bearing in a couple of years ago. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just from, you know, screwing around back there, replacing the wheel bearing back then. It, it was probably just enough to loosen up the sensor a little bit more. But it's one of those things. It's it's kind of a uni It's going to be a tough one, and that's why I kind of already pre-diagnosed it before I brought it into the before it goes in for service. Because if you drive the car around town, the lights off and it'll stay off forever. It takes about 15 miles of highway driving to turn the light on. So it's a goofy it's a goofy one to start off with. So um, I said to the guy who's going to be working on it, who's right near where I work, and I I said to him, "You just want me to pick up the sensor ahead of time?" And he he said, uh, "No, no, you know, it should be easy. You know, should be able to get it." Uh, come to find out, it doesn't look like it's going to be that easy to get. So I think I, I think it's just going to be one of those oddball things. But uh, but other but other than that, uh, and I understand uh, and I understand uh, you're gonna uh, you're gonna break in you're gonna break in our new guy up at your Kiwanis Club. Yeah, Drew is coming uh, at the end of April. Yeah, he's he's uh, looking for. I I I might I might have um, I, I don't know if I I did or not, but I told him it's probably going to be the best launch he's ever going to get as a guest speaker. So, <laughs> well, we'll try to take good care of him. All right. Uh, yeah.
One other thing I wanted to mention to you, I've been a AAA member for well over 40 years, and uh, I've never, ever had a call for road service in my life. Uh, for me, I've called for my wife is a member, my son's a member. I've had a call for both of them, but I've never called for me until last week. And I did, I was up in Revere Beach. I went to Kelly's because it was in a warm night. Yep. Left the car radio running a little too long. So I did call, and um, they were excellent. They came out in the time, they right in the times that they said they were going to be there, a guy from Cleely. Uh, came out, jumped at start of the car. Nice guy, uh, very efficient. And um, anyone who doesn't have AAA for road service is yeah. crazy. And but, I think uh, I think Queely, I think Queely's has been with us for fifty years or something. So they've been with us for a really long time. Yeah. Well, so, good to hear. Probably for good reason. Yeah, good to hear. Hey, Paul, always a pleasure. All right, thanks, John. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Let's see. Let's go over to line one. Talk to Bob in Worcester. Bob. Uh, John Paul. Yes, sir. Sir, how are you, sir? I'm good. And you? Good, good. Hey, John Paul, I got a 03 Liberty uh, V6. I'm having trouble with the uh, AC compressor. Uh, it, it seemed to have locked up. My wife's driving home, and it seemed, I wasn't in the car, and it seems to, uh, she said it was smoking. It, it started, sm the engine started smoking. And uh, it was pretty similar to an air compressor problem, AC compressor, that we had a couple of years back. Uh, I showed up, and, of course, everything was running, nothing, there wasn't anything wrong. But what I did was I disconnected the air compressor mm -hmm. from the uh, connector, yep. and, the, which, and the clutch was, was able to spin free, which was it had been all along. But... Uh, I, I'm wondering the bearing of the other, of the, the, the um, not the clutch assembly, but the compressor assembly. Mm -hmm. Is that likely that that, that was frozen? It, so it sounds like it probably picked up some rust. The problem is if, if that is actually the case, if it isn't just the, if it isn't just a clutch for one reason or another, froze up and it is in, yeah. if it is the if it is the compressor you're going to have yeah. to replace the compressor and you probably probably it would be a good idea you know the the whole system's going to need to get flushed out cuz chances are it's filled with barren pieces inside there which is going to keep okay. the which is going to keep the AC system from working the way it should so uh, okay. yeah it's going to turn into it could turn into kind of an ugly job by the time you're done yeah John Paul this is like two years old it's uh, we had it, when they initially put it in it sounded like marbles yeah. rolling around occasionally and it's like well you know we'll put up with it and if it's if it goes it goes but uh, unfortunately it went past the warranty yeah. time and yeah. uh I think now's the time where it went. Yeah, and, uh, yeah because you're going to, I mean, probably as a minimum, you're going to have to do an expansion valve and orifice tube in there because chances are that barons come apart and all that stuff is okay. float, all that stuff is floating around in the system. So you really need to, you know, pull the, pull the compressor, flush out the yeah. lines, replace the orifice okay. tube and, and to get it back. Now, you know what, though? When I showed up, John Paul, it was, it was running. Nothing was locked up. It was, it, so is that, uh, can that be intermittent and I can run it for two weeks and it's fine and then all of a sudden it's going to lock up again or yeah it's odd that it would do that um, but it's uh, the other thing I suppose the other possibility is it it literally you know 
froze temperature wise froze up and you know but it, it odd that it would do that um i think yeah. i think you just got a bad compressor and Okay. All right. So we'll go that way. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 I, I disconnected the plug. The clutch is spinning. Yeah. She's driving it around. Yeah. We don't need it right now, yeah, but yeah. It, it's a, definitely a job down the road. Yeah, there you go. I think you're right. So I, I should be okay driving it, you think? Yeah, you should be, you should be fine. Until we fix it? Yeah, you should be fine driving it because it's... It's when it engages and it tries to turn. That's where the problem is. So you know, okay. it, yeah, right. you know, I'm just envisioning something. It's a, it's a, it's a variable clutch. It's a variable cylinder arrangement inside there. I'm just envisioning something was stuck inside of it, and you know, okay, all problem. right, yeah, it was never right in the yeah. first place. Yeah, probably. and that's what it sounds like. All right, hey, okay. thanks for your help. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Now. Okay, have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Let's see. Let's wrap up with David and Needham. David. David. David? David? Something? David? Yes. Good Hello. Evening. How are you doing? There we go. Good. <laughs> I didn't get you at first. I guess it's... No, it, 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 you know, Dennis, You Dennis, got the gong there. You got Dennis, the gong show. Dennis pushed all the buttons just like he was supposed <laughs> to, but for some reason it didn't click. But anyway. Yeah. A couple of quickies for you here. Someone was interested in the tires, on the older tires in the car. I think this year they're going to be on the annual inspection, uh, be looking at your age of your tires, anything 10 years or older, see you later, you're not getting your inspection. Yeah, I haven't, I, I've heard people talk about that, I don't see it. With happening. all their, with all their yeah. new uh, yeah. cameras on the wall yeah, and everything no, else, you know? I, yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. But it's not a bad idea in general because well, you see the crack, cracking yeah. of these materials. I mean, they're, spo- they're supposed to look at them for quality. Right, And right. whether it's a 2-year-old tire or a 10, and there could be a 10-year-old tire that, you know, has you know, that sat in a garage that's in actually good shape. That's, that's good. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. there, there's a, co- oh, yeah. there's a, co- I know. yeah, there's a company out of, uh, or a group out of, uh, uh, Rehoboth, the safety Institute. And he's been trying to pass a law in Massachusetts that, that says that any tire over six years old should fail a state inspection. I don't, right. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't see that happening, but no, you said something on the proportioning valve with a fellow there, too. Proportioning valves have a mechanical aspect right. to it, almost like a rubber. Yep. And they're usually on the, they were always on the town cars, and they were on the wagons, a good size, yep. you know, uh, yeah. Ford or, yeah, uh, all, or all PM. Kind of, all, all kinds of cars have it. have it. They don't have a switch back there, though. The switch is in the um, master uh, cylinder. Well, it depends. Know, it depends. Some of them were combination proportioning metering valves. Some were just metering valves. Uh, so, like I said, go look. Go look. Go look. For all, no, like no, no. They're all metering valves. It's a metering. You're getting pressure differential between your rear right. and your front. So if you load the trucks, I mean, yep. you're talking about your Jeeps, yep. uh, the old J20s, they had it. My wagons always had it, and my wagons today have it. So yep. it's just strictly that, but it doesn't have a, any electrical signal. No, well, some, some of them do, but we can, do, we can, we can agree to disagree on that. Okay, yeah. on that yeah. one for you. Yeah. Another question is, you mentioned something about uh, where are the Volkswagens, where are they all being stacked now? Uh, well, the, locally near me, they're in South Weymouth at the old Navy base. Okay, and so are, that's what are, I thought you said. Yeah, yeah. There are literally tens of thousands of them. Yeah, yeah. now these are what, all diesel all primarily? Diesels, all diesel. Oh, uh, I don't want that. Yeah. I want that Passat, the uh, wagon, the great thing they had. Yeah, and, um, and, there, and there's some, and I don't know I don't know what's going to happen with the Passat wagons, but the, these are, you know, there's Jettas and Beetles, and, and, there's, just, sure. and there's just, there was just, uh, there was literally thousands of them. And, you know, they're sitting in a grass field, which isn't going to do them any good, so. <laughs> right, these rust from the bottom up, as we'd say. Yep. Uh, and just another quickie: How the hell do you ever uh, get 
an idea as to what to cut. I wouldn't trust any of these uh, manufacturers when they're talking about that, particularly that outfit. How do you know, why do they differentiate all of a sudden in the late 1990s, let's say? There's no 1990s being recalled. So you say, hey, they still had, uh, you know, the uh, airbags at that point. So what was the difference? It's got to be in the inflator gas. It's a propellant, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and And when they switched switched over to a propellant that could could be – could be deployed at a different rate of speed. Yeah. Um, that's the one that the the sodium azide or whatever it is. That's Ammonium the, nitrate. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that it is a. It becomes caustic and it and it and it dissolves. And it breaks down. No, I, I understand that and the things. Yeah. But why should you believe any? You can't well, even get information from the original yeah. dealers and, on these and things. The, and the interesting thing, well, and Takata's bankrupt now anyway but well i'm not talking that i'm yeah, talking but, the manufacturer the car manufacturer but the other thing is it is my understanding in a lot of cases all they're doing is taking out the defective airbag and putting in another defective airbag and yeah. and what they're doing is they're gambling with the idea that in 10 years that car is going to be off the road yeah well nissan there they, what they say it's in process they don't i think they just disconnected well, Period. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, that would be even worse because now you got it, no protection. Yeah, I would be. You know, NHTSA came out and said they don't recommend disconnecting it. I no. think if I think if a consumer says I really want to disconnect it, but right now there is a, yeah. there is an old Ford Ranger and Mazda pickup truck that uh, that Ford saying if you own one of these ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven Ranger pickups, don't drive it. A, That's right. They yeah. say put it off the road. Put I saw that little road. deal. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. yeah. Here and there. Anyway. Yep. Okay. Okay, and, David. Uh, All right. Very good. Have All a right. good uh, day. The rest of All the day. Right. Hope you. Hey, you got power on where you live? Absolutely. Been on comfortably, but the the cave place didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's always one place. There's always they, one. Say, John. Yeah. There's always one. Take it easy now. Yeah. yeah. Also, the second uh, your your pro your your employer, great people. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. They're number one. Honest to goodness, for all my daughters and everything else, always over the years, been great. Seconded and completely what he said. And okay, again, I'm, have a good I'm, day. I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to save the save the save this recording and give it to my boss and you know, <laughs> let them know. They are, they are all good, right. Though. They are good. All right. Bye. Take care now. Bye bye. Well, why don't we take a quick break? Because I need to take a break. And Dennis, Dennis is all frazzled. I know he needs like two minutes to collect his thoughts. Now when we come back, Paul Sullivan's rocking nervously in a chair here. I don't know what's wrong. It's bothering me a little. <laughs> My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL and FM 100.3. We'll be right back.
And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, 100.3 FM. I got to listen. I got to listen on the FM channel. See what Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's that doesn't sound very optimistic. Where where is the FM transmitter? I have no idea. They yeah. were trying to tell me this morning, and it's the morning. My brain doesn't function that way, so sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, okay. Yeah. Um, I know I know that there's a um, there there was a bit of a challenge because there is a um, there is an FM pirate station that I think is uh, that I think is more powerful than like Kiss One Hundred Eight. There, there aren't any such things as pirate station. What are you talking about? Oh, yes, there may be. There might be. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, look, it's Paul Sullivan. We haven't seen you in ages. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think Mick Jagger wrote the very um, very neat line, what a drag it is getting old. <laughs> are you okay? I don't know. Because people want to know. People people call up. They're worried about you. You have a huge radio family, you know. That. That's overwhelming to me, and and very very nice. Appreciate that a lot. Um, and uh, well, I, I think I told this to you before. The cool thing is, um, every test that I have comes back fine. That's good. So it's mental. Yeah, probably. But um, <laughs> no, I think there's there's something and no, the, I, was, I was psychological. You know, well, you know That's how the do- you know how those doctors work. They they eliminate the the most uh, uh, potentially terminal uh, things. Yeah. So that's good. Which is good because when you when you self-diagnose yourself on WebMD, right. the first thing that comes up is you have cancer and you're going to die. I know. Yeah. 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 Which is a bad. You, you go know. from zero to yeah. 60. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like that's not. That's In not your good terminology. Yeah. 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 So. But so, uh, so I'm plugging through. Is it stress? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have important jobs. And oh. uh, so when, when you. Um, when you kind of self-analyze and reflect on the important jobs, you exert a certain amount of internal pressure. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. So yeah. When when I when I was at the doctor, and I'm old. Yeah. Come on. When I was at the doctor, you, know, you last can't say I do this for 40 years yeah. and then say I'm 13 yeah. years old yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You know. I when when I was at the doctor's last Friday for my flu symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, I I went to work on Wednesday, felt okay. Wednesday afternoon I coughed. Mm-hmm. And it was like that kind of hurt. What was that? Oh, and um, and then when I got up on Thursday morning, I'm like, I don't feel that great. Went to work on Thursday. Went home around three in the afternoon, and still put in like eight hours because I think I was there at seven. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, I had to go give a talk way down the Cape in East Ham. Mm-hmm. But on the way, I stopped at there's a there's a walk-in clinic place in Dennis. Okay. So I was there when they opened the door. Yeah. And I walked in, and they said, what are you here for? And I said, I think I got the flu, but I don't know. I feel achy and feverish. And, and so the nurse came in and took all my vitals and said to do a flu swab. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor came in wearing a mask. Of course. That, and, that, that, and, and I said, <laughs> that makes I, you feel I, great. And I said, well, I'm, pre- I, I'm pretty sure I know what's wrong now. Yeah. And she said, you have uh, H1N1 type A. Um, and... Um, Okay. We'll, we'll get you on. We'll get you on uh, Tamiflu. Tamiflu, because you've only had it for a couple of days, so hopefully you'll be able to do it. But and, but had you had it only for a couple of days? You said you had. Yeah, it was really that. just only. Right. Yeah, and um, but I I said to her, "That's like What's, the, like the Grammys. They want you off yeah, the stage." Come I know. On. And I said to her, "What should I do?" And she said, "Well, take the Tamiflu. Take the stuff for your cough." Um, Drink plenty of fluids, take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C, and reduce stress. Yes. And I looked at her and I said, How's that work for you? Yeah, really. And she said, Well, 
I've learned that the things I can't change, I'm never going to be able to change them. So, but I can do things like go home and clean a closet. Okay. And I, and I said, "How's that work out for you?" She said, "I have really clean closets." And, so, and but stress. she <laughs> but she said but she said that accomplishing one thing in her life by cleaning a closet yeah. helps eliminate her stress. Well, that's good. So, it works for her. So, my suggestion to you is go home and clean a closet. Yep. Other you'll, piano players you'll, quitting you'll, too. You'll, you'll feel better. It's yeah. okay. Hey, coming up next. But it's cold in my house. I got to <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade, the very best in Irish music heard here each Saturday starting at 10 o'clock. Stay tuned. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.